My name is Bob Thomas, and I have a couple jobs this morning. Uh, one is not to dance, even though I wanted to, right there after that song. Actually, I dance like this, so, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the other thing, apparently, my job, I've been told, is to rise the, is to make the average age of the people on stage much higher. So I can do that, and I've done that. I also actually have the privilege of welcoming you here this morning. So I do want to say welcome. Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, glad you're here on this holiday uh, weekend. I also want to ask if you are uh, visiting us for the first time or maybe the second time and you haven't before filled out a, a card to let us know you're here, love to have you do that. In the seat back in front of you, you'll, you'll find a card. If you'd fill that out, it would let us know that you were here, give us some information about you and let us get in touch with you and tell you a little bit about uh, Community Alliance Church and how you might get connected and get involved. If you do that, if you fill out one of those cards, if you go through these doors right here and just to the right, there's a place that you can uh, drop it off after the service. So love to have you do that. Since I'm welcoming visitors, I want you to welcome one another. So why don't you stand up and uh, greet one another and say hello to one another. My love. Thank you. I appreciate that. You can have a seat. I also just want to make you aware of some important announcements that are in your bulletin. One of them is uh, an insert you see. It looks like this. It's about a, a, uh, a women's social. It's a, a pottery. It's an opportunity to design and make some pottery. I don't know why the guys don't get a chance to do that. Maybe it's because we dance like this. That might have something to do with it. Not a lot of creativity there. Um, let me tell you about a couple other things as well. So that, just so you know, that's this Thursday. Uh, so please uh, come to that. If you, sorry, that's next Thursday. Uh, if you have an opportunity, it sounds like a great, uh, a great event. And I know a lot of people are talking about it and excited about it. We also want to let you know about a couple of other service opportunities. Uh, one is a trip to the Dominican Republic. We've been doing this for several years. So in February, February 12th to the 20th, February 2016, we're going to be taking a trip to the Dominican Republic. If you're interested in that, if you want to know more information, you can sign up on the website, uh, and, or you can sign up through these double doors to the left at the information desk. So just sign up, and, and if you want to know more information, we'll get in touch with you. We're starting to make those plans, and you can start to get time off from work. You can start to, to uh, get your things in order financially to be able to go on that trip. Another thing that's coming up uh, is a car cruise, July 23rd. And one of the things that we ask folks to do, if you're willing, is to make pies or, or homemade cookies. And, and you can sign up to do that out in the lobby at the, uh, at the ministry center, which is out to my left. So please take those opportunities. There's other things as well in your bulletin. Please look through those. Uh, please look through your bulletin so that you know what's coming. I'll also mention that there's a concert coming October 3rd. Uh, several folks going to be here. You've heard about this already, Cutlass and some others. You have to get those tickets if you want to come uh, via the internet. So please uh, do that as well. Once again, glad that you're here. This morning, Keith Kozik, our youth pastor, is going to be sharing. So Keith, why don't you come? Good morning. 
Welcome to Community Alliance Church. I am Keith Kozik. I'm the Director of Youth Ministries, and it's an honor to stand before you and teach God's Word. Uh, I want to let you guys know that I am kicking off the Summer of Substitution for the next couple weeks. Uh, Pastor Denny is on some much-needed rest uh, and relaxation and on vacation. Uh, the rumor is, with all the rain that we've been having, is that he's actually going to be building an ark. That's the rumor. So if you see some animals traveling to the Christic residence, that is why. So I am speaking this week. Pastor Joe is speaking next week, and Pastor Jim is going to be speaking after that. So let's pray real quick, and uh, let's get right into my lesson. So let's pray. God, I just want to say what you want me to say. Uh, not with fancy words or phrases, um, I want to speak to people's hearts because I believe that's what you want me to do. And so I just pray that you would just give me your words. And I pray for everybody here um, that they would be receptive to what you want to say. And the words that I speak uh, would fall on deaf ears, but the words that you speak would penetrate people's hearts and change their lives to make them to be more and more like you. And I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a, you know, a statement you know, and, and this is, you know, I want you to think about this. And it's this, things we say we believe, but it's not sure we really do believe. I'm not even sure that's good English, but I'm saying that I want to bring up the statement. This is things we say we believe, but not really sure we believe. Because, you know, most of us are parents, or will be parents, or, you know, we're kids. And our parents have always taught us to do what? Do the right thing. Obey the authorities, you know, don't listen to, you know, to your elders. You know, you're, you're supposed to, you know, always, you know, not, you know, buck the system, do what's right and things like that. And we, we teach that to our kids. And I, I teach it to my kids. I'm like, listen, you got you to gotta obey the rules. You got to do what's right. Except whenever sometimes it's inconvenient for us. And that's what I found in my own life. Let me give you an example of this. So whenever I travel anywhere of distance or I don't know exactly where I'm going, I pull out a GPS, you know, and that help, what it does is, you know, I put it on the dashboard of my, on my car and it helps tell me where I'm going and I'll punch it in and it'll give me the direct route there. But there's this problem with the GPS is in the bottom right corner, I have a Garmin, that, that's the brand that I use. It says the speed limit you're supposed to be going and the actual speed that you're going. And then when you break the speed limit, it turns red, well, often whenever I'm traveling, I have my two little co-pilots in the back, and I'll be driving, and maybe you've had this experience where you're driving, and all of a sudden your two little co-pilots are like, Dad, you're breaking the law. Dad, the policeman could pull you over. Dad, we could wreck and die, you know? And, and, and as a man, you know, you see the time ticking down. You want to beat the time that it says that you're going to be there. You're like, you're a man on a mission, you know. And you're like, man, I just want to get there. And I want to beat that time so bad. And then you have your children saying that, you know. And so I, I've gone as far as to say this. I'm not proud. But I'm not sure the GPS is right. That's what I'll say to my kids. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't know about that, guys. Or, you know, the speedometer. I think it's broken, guys. Another thing we do in the car, at least I do, is my youngest son is a slob, just like his father. He, you know, he makes messes. This week, he dumped the whole thing of Cheerios in the back seat. And so what happens is, is my wife's crawling back there, and, you know, in the back seat, you know, who knows what's back there. So she grabs all of it, and she starts chucking them out the window. <laughs> to which my son goes, you're a litter bug. <laughs> you're littering. And then, and then, so then as a parent, you're like, oh man, like we've taught them to do the right things, things we say we believe in. And then, so you come up with like the lamest excuses ever, like, no, that's not true. 
a raccoon or a bird's going to come along and eat that. You know, you try to justify it to them. Like, here I am going 70 miles per hour, breaking the speed, like, you know, throwing stuff out the window. And some raccoon's like, oh, praise God, some Cheerios, you know. <laughs> that's what we try to tell our kids that, you know, like, somehow that's going to happen. And it just doesn't. You know, other things we believe is like, we should eat healthy. But the problem with, you know, eating healthy is it just doesn't taste that good. Is that not true? Like, the food, yeah, there we go. Amen. Like, it just doesn't taste good. Like, junk food tastes so much better. And a perfect example of that is when you go and eat, like, wings, all right? Is there anything more unhealthy than wings? You're taking, you know, a piece of chicken and deep frying it, all right? You know, and you bring it out. And then if that's not bad enough, then you put it in some sort of sauce, okay? And usually the hotter, the better. So it'll burn your esophagus and clog your arteries all at the same time. And what do we do as guys too? We, we like to encourage each other. Eat as many as you can. You know, we're cheering each other on. So we were basically encouraging your friends to have a heart attack and burn their esophagus out. Why? Because it tastes good. And what do we eat with it? We eat French fries too. I mean, like, it's the most unhealthy meal you could ever possibly have. And we know it, but what? We don't want to do anything about it because we don't want to believe that I don't really want to do that anymore. Last one, and I got to be careful because my mother-in-law works at the dentist that I go to. So you guys are hoping that I just hang myself out to dry here. But the dentist, like when you go to the dentist, I don't even think like dentists like going to the dentist. I mean, no one likes going to the dentist, all right? It's just like, it's, it's not that it's not, just, oh, it's the dentist, you know? You're, you're sitting in that chair, you got to listen to whatever that person's saying. And then they always ask you this question, have you been flossing? And the truth of the matter is, is I haven't flossed since the last time I was sitting in this chair and this woman has flossed for me. And it's kind of a relative term, isn't it? Have you been flossing? Well, I've flossed maybe once in the last four years. So you just sit there and go. It's like one of the few times you lie. You know, and again, you know, flossing, is it good for your teeth? Yes, is it healthy? Is it a good thing? But it's just like it's not on the, the priority list. And I know it's good. It's something that, you know, you believe. Yeah, but we really don't believe it. I want to bring up this verse because I think it's one of those things we say we believe, but I'm not really sure we, we do. And this is John 10.10. 10. It says, I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe that? Because this is a promise from Jesus. He's saying, listen, I come that you have life and you have it to the full. The best. Other interpretations say it, it, have an abundant life. Who doesn't want an abundant life? Who wants the, we want the full, abundant life. But do we believe that really Jesus offers that? That's what I want to wrestle with today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John chapter 10. We're going to be there. And this whole full, abundant life, I'm going to make this real clear because this, is, you know, this has become a, a popular you know, verse that people have used and you know, they're making seminars out of it and they're writing books about it and things like that. And what does the abundant life, the full life look to Jesus? It's about having peace, freedom, living how God wants. It's not about you know, prosperity and wealth, having huge cars. It's about an eternal life with God. That's what the full life that Jesus offers. We're in John chapter 10, verse 1 
And here we go. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, and the Pharisees are the religious leaders of their time, and they are incredibly smart guys. They know the Bible inside and out much more intelligent than I am. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen but by the gate but climbs in any other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls them his own sheep by their name and leads them out. And you've heard this you know, illustration that Jesus used before, and I think it's used several times in the Bible, which is that Jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And what does the shepherd do in Jesus' time? Well, he would obviously take care of the sheep, but what he would do is he would come and take you know, oil and put it upon their head, the sheep. So if they were out grazing and the, and the snake would come and try to bite them, it would hopefully glance or graze off and, and not poison them. He would take his huge staff and he would go through the field and he's looking for snakes. He's looking for rocks or things that might cause problems for, for his sheep and, he, and, he, and he's taking care of them. At night, what he would often do, he was to go and he would find a cave and try to put all the, this is the best cave that I can come up with just on the spot here. So, you know, he would try to put all the sheep into the cave and he, and he would take care of them and make sure they were all right. And he would stand at the door and protect them. If there was no cave, he would then find, you know, rocks and brush and he would build his own pen and fence in the sheep to protect them. And we are obviously the sheep. That's what God does for us. But there's just one little problem. Nobody wants to be a sheep. I mean, they make the lame, you know, noise. Bah! Like, that's not even cool. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, no one wants to be sheep. Like, if you were to ask your kid, hey, what animal would you like to be? Sheep isn't in the top five. Like, it, the, why? Because they're what? They're dumb, aren't they? They're, they kind of wander off. Bah! You know? And they're not ferocious. Like, we want to be a lion, an alligator, something like this ferocious predator that does something cool, not like a sheep. So when God says, listen, I want you to be a sheep, we're like, eh, I really don't want to be. You know, That's not cool. It's not fun. I don't want to be a sheep. But sheep are simple. Sheep are simple. And sheep need what? Someone to take care of them. There's not a wild, you know, grazing flock of sheep going mad somewhere in the world. You know, they have a shepherd. They need someone to take care of them. We need someone to take care of us. This God who's a lot smarter than us, Jesus is way smarter than us, is calling us sheep. And when we're simple people, we do what God wants us to do, and we, and we, what? we, we stay in within the boundaries that he wants and let the shepherd take care of us, our lives go a lot simpler. But when we're sheep and we wander off and we kind of do our own things, that's when what? That's when fear, anxiety, frustrations, things like that creep into our lives. That's when it happens to me when I start doing my own thing. Verse 4, when he's brought them all out on his own, he goes out ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. True, and, and so let me, let me give it to you this way too. Let me use another illustration that Jesus uses about sheep that's kind of similar. And this is in Matthew chapter 18. And don't turn there. Just tilt your head up. It's going to be there. It says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we, we may not like being referred to as sheep, 
But the idea of little children, like that, that makes sense to us. And that's why so many of us have helped out at VBS. And, and we want, and this church does an unbelievable job of investing in, in youth and children better than most churches in America. They were amazing at that. It's because why? It's because we want to shepherd them and their young ways into a relationship with God when things are simple. Because children, what? They're not real complex. I can tell my kid, you know, to go jump off anything. And he's like, okay, I trust you. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. It's the simplicity of children. And they're humble. And they're teachable. And that's what this passage is really saying is, listen, you need to become like sheep to be moldable, to be teachable, to be simple. And most importantly, to what? To trust God. Because sheep trust their shepherd because he has their best intention in mind. Children trust their parents. Why? Because they have their best intention in mind. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, I went to Wrigley Field, and that's the home of the Chicago Cubs. And the Chicago Cubs are the, you know, the, the laughable losers of Major League Baseball. They haven't won a World Series in 108 years. That's, that means eight years you know, on the schmuckers jar, you know, whoever that person is, is the last person that's even been alive whenever the Cubs won the World Series. So 108 years, it's been there. But you know, they are loved and beloved in Chicago. And their people you know, still come out by you know, the thousands and thousands to watch them. And I was 10 or 11 years old, and, and I went to a game. And I sat in the outfield. And their outfield is notorious for being very rowdy. If the other team hits a home run, they'll take it and they throw the ball back. And, you know, that's just the things that they do out there. And they like to drink a lot of alcohol. That's, and so I learned some new, I was 10, 11, I learned some phrases that I'd never heard before. It was very educational for me as I'm sitting in the outfield. And I'm hearing these things and I'm having a good time. And the Cubs actually end up winning the game. It was, it was cool. And so we're leaving and, you know, we're going down the stairs and then to the ramps, you know, and we're exiting through the outfield and going back and forth. And all of a sudden, I look around, and I have that panicky feeling like, oh, my gosh, where are my parents? And I'm looking around. I'm like, where did they go? Where are my parents? Where are they at? And all of a sudden, like 10 or 15 drunk guys round the corner, and they start chanting my name. Keith! Keith! Using these, some of these terms that I had heard. Keith, you blankety blank, blank, blank. Keith, you, where are you, you blank, blank? And, and I'm like over here going, 10 years old going, what in the world is going on? Are they talking to me? Like this, are they really talking to me? And so they're, they're coming down and I'm like, what's going on here? Well, behind the drunk guys was actually my, my parents and my, and my uncle, and they were saying, Keith, Keith, Keith. And so the drunk guys had just picked up on it and were chanting my name too. And I'm like, what do I do here? You know? And so they walk by, and then I see my parents. And, and I go over to them, and they're like, oh, those, well, you know, after the therapy, I was good. It only took a couple years. And so, I, I, so after the, the drunk guys, and they, we were laughing about it, was, you know, they had just started calling my name. But why didn't I go with the drunk guys? Because why? Because I didn't know them. I, I didn't trust them. I wasn't going to go with them. And it's the same thing with us. We have to trust God. We have to believe. Listen, we are sheep. And do we trust and believe that what God has for us is the best thing for us? 
We have to trust God more than we trust ourselves. If we're going to start believing that, listen, God has this full, abundant life for us, then we have to take the plan that the shepherd has for us. Let's keep going. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. This is what he's saying. You have to trust what Jesus says and not listen to the voice of yourself or even the enemy. Verse 7, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And so this is what Jesus starts to say. And listen, remember I told you about, you know, the shepherd would often put them in a cave and stuff like that. And what the shepherd would do is he would lay and he would sleep in front of the cave. Why? Because he's saying, listen, if you want to get to my sheep, you got to get through me. I'm going to protect these sheep at all costs. Why? Because I care for these sheep. And God cares for you. He loves you. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. You know, in these crazy religious political times, there's lots of people. How do you get into heaven? And Jesus is saying very, you know, very plainly, it's only through me, through the shepherd you saved. But they will come in and go out and find Pasture, And I want, to, I want to focus on pasture for a second. Because that's the whole goal of the shepherd is the what? Is to lead his sheep to where? To pasture. To lead them to where? Beside still waters. Find green so they can eat and be healthy. That is God's goal for you. Is to pasture you, to shepherd you into the right places. But do you believe that? Do you trust that? That the pasture, you know, that the shepherd is trying to take you out to the pasture because we need to be led because we don't know where it is. God knows where it is. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. See, in this world, that's going to tell you to what? Do your own thing. Look out for yourself. Do, trust yourself. Do what's right. And that's the complete opposite of what God's telling you. Because even myself, there's a part of me, I, I, I want to be a lion. I want to do my own thing. I want, I want to blaze my own path. I don't want to listen to anyone. And that's what the world tells you to do. But whenever I start doing that, I start doing my own thing, I'm just telling you, that's when I get so frustrated in life. And I could do it for a while, and then I start to feel, what, empty on the inside. And I start to feel lost because I, I know this. I, I don't know who I am apart from my shepherd. And, I, and then I have to humble myself and, and come back to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I want your path for my life. But sin, that, it makes it look so enticing. It's just like, listen, go do your own thing. Don't listen. Do what you want to do. That's the message that is preached to all of us. But it's a lie. It doesn't make your life simple. It makes it more complicated. I come that they have life and have it to the full. When you're simple, when you trust God, that's when you start to have a full life. 
That's when you start to have that peace that passes all understanding. That's when you start to have the joy. That's when your life really takes on meaning. And when you're doing your own thing, you don't have any of those things. Verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not know the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The, the wolf attacks and the flock scatters. The man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You know what God, you know what Jesus is really saying here? I take care of the sheep. Why? Because I love them. And they may be simple animals and they may wander off and do their own thing, but I die for them in a heartbeat. Why? Because I love them. Do you know God loves you? Do you believe that God loves you? Because there's a big difference between that. You've been, heard, you've been told that since you were a little kid. God loves you. God. But do you believe that God loves you? Because if you do, you'll say, listen, all right, God, I want to be simple. I want to be like a child. I want to be a sheep. I'm going to humbly trust you because you love me. And you'll lead me to the pasture and you'll lead me to a full life. That's where it comes from. And that's how you obtain the full life is doing those things. I'm going to read a proverb because this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. See, this is another promise from God. He's saying, listen, trust in me. You got to trust me. Otherwise, listen, I can't listen. You, you're going to do your own thing. You're going to go rogue. You're going to you know, walk away from the path that I have from you. You're going to walk away from the pasture that I want to give you. I know you've been sitting and analyzing. You're like, okay, youth pastor, where is your illustration? I know you walked in. You're like, okay, keep speaking. Always some illustration. Or where is it? It's not invisible. It's here, I promise. It was built here five or six years ago for this very reason. It's these steps right here. This is my visual illustration just for this lesson. We were, that, we were thinking that far along. What Keith is going to preach, July 5th. This is, this is why we built them. You know, in my 12 years of being a pastor, the, the people that take that step of faith and have that freedom and do what God wants, that have the abundant life, do you know what they do? They just take the steps of God, you know, that, that he wants them to take. It's not rocket science. It's not magic. It, they just do what God wants. Think about your favorite person in the Bible. You know what they did? They just did what God wanted them to do. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Like, it's me who makes my life more complicated. When I know what God wants me to do and I don't do it, I just make my life more complicated. But whenever I do the things that God wants me to do, what happens is I have joy, I have peace, I have freedom, and I feel alive spiritually, and I'm simple, and I'm going to the pasture. But it's whenever I, I stop doing those things, I'm like, okay, God, well, you know, I, I made these steps, and all right, and then I get what? We all get a little bit comfortable. We're like, God, you know, I made a couple steps. That's good. You know, complacency is, is the killer of Christianity. That's what I found in my own life. 
And some of you have some complacent children and you try to motivate them. You're like, come on, let's go. You can trust me. Look, I have, I have this abundant life. Just simply do what I do. You know, it'd be so much better if you just listen to me. And some of your kids just don't listen. And it frustrates you. And I wonder, doesn't God probably feel the same way about us? He said, listen, don't you trust me? I love you. I got the best plan for your life. I have this abundant life, but you won't, you won't take it. Please, do it. Come on, you can do it. And we just don't do it sometimes. I did a whole sermon on this in a series, actually, with, with the youth group kids, and I just asked them this question. I said, well, what's the one step that God wants you to do? I want you to ask yourself that question. What's that one step that just God wants you to do? Maybe it's just coming here. Maybe that was the step. You're like, listen, I just need to go to church. That's awesome. For some of you, it might be, listen, you need to start reading your Bible and just meditating on it. Honestly, that's the one that God's been really just preaching to me, just, just bask in my word. Just listen, trust me. So if you need to join a small group, so you need to leave this sermon and, and call someone and say, listen, I, I need to ask for forgiveness because that's what God's laid on your heart. Some of you need to defriend some certain people on Facebook because they're just not good for you. Others of you need to get off Facebook because it's not good for you. <laughs> Some of you need to quit watching certain shows. Some of you need to quit putting yourself in stupid places because you keep doing stupid things. What step of faith does God want you to do? And when you take those steps of faith, you know what happens? You look back and you're like, man, I thought that step was so huge. I thought it was this big thing. And God's like, I know, look, I'm leading you to green pastures. You can trust me. I love you. And you look back and you're just like, I want to do what God wants. And it's great. And you feel alive and you have that full, abundant life. And it doesn't come anywhere else. Some of you are saying, all right, Keith, I get it. Yeah, I've trusted God in the past, but you don't understand. Time out. You don't understand. God wants me to make like a big step. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is like, whoa. It's like, and God said, listen, you trusted me through the little steps. I got a big step for you. You can do it. And you're like, eh, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid. I'm gonna look at a story about a guy who had to make a big step. This is Acts chapter nine. You can turn there or you can just simply tilt your head up because I'm gonna read it kind of fast, so. As he neared Damascus, and this is Saul, you know, who would later become the Apostle Paul. He's going to Damascus to what? To arrest and beat and persecute Christians. On his way of journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so Saul is blinded, and his friends and his companions, they lead him into the city, and for three days he can't see. He's completely blind. Meanwhile, verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord had told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he was praying. In a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands and restore his sight. So God has said to him, listen, Ananias, you know the guy that's you know, persecuting you and, you know, wants to come and arrest you? I want you to go and pray for him. 
And Ananias is like, whoa, hold up, time out here. <laughs> this is like bringing, you know, the mouse to the cat here. I mean, this guy is going to pers- he's going to hurt me. And you want me to lay hands on him and like pray for him? He's going to lay hands on me and beat the crap out of me. Like, I don't, I don't want this to happen. Verse 13, the Lord, Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest. I will call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to the kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much they mu- he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's he do? Ananias. He takes the big step. And because of his step of faith, it has affected your life. Because now Saul will go to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people like me. And every church that you see has been affected because of one man's faith in God. And did it make sense to him? Absolutely not. But Ananias had a relationship with God. He was living the abundant life and he was free and he's like, listen, I, I've trusted God through this. And so when God called him to do a big thing, he could do it. Because why? Because he knew God loved him. That's why Noah could build an ark. That's why Daniel could be in a lion's den. <laughs> Fill in the blank for your favorite Bible character. They all had to take big steps of faith. Why? Because they trusted God more than they trusted themselves. See, if you're waiting for God to always make sense in your mind before you do anything rationally, understand it, you're going to have a really hard time serving God. I'm just going to be honest. See, if you're waiting for God to always understand, really, you got God in a box about this big. And you pull out your God every once in a while just like this box. You're like, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of God. And God calls you to do something, you're like, God, God that, that, that just doesn't make sense. You know what? You know I, I don't think so, God. I, I can't do that. And God's saying, listen, look, you trust me. I love you. I'm taking you to the pasture. I have the great plan for you. I have the best life. Not the easiest life, but the best life for you. Trust me. I love you. And we go, this just doesn't make sense. To the sheep, the shepherd, doesn't make sense. He never will. Because to the sheep, they're just not able to understand God. We're never going to understand God. But do you trust them? Do you love them? Listen, I, I want to say this as loving and caring and compassionate as I can. But if, if you've got your God in your box and you don't do everything until he, you understand him, you're not really serving God. You're trusting in your own understanding and your own reasoning and really, you're just serving yourself. And when God's convenient, you do the, the right thing. <laughs> and that's why you don't have that full, abundant life. That's why you don't feel that freedom, that joy, the thing that God really wants you to. The thing that God really desires for you. I want you to picture for this, just, just for, for a second here. What if you left this place and you did the one thing that God wanted you to do? You took that step. Then next week, God's like, listen, I need you to take this step. And you did that. And this is so simple. Anybody can do this. 
And some of you are like, what if you were like, all right, God, I know this is the big step. You want me to do it, but I will trust you. I love you. I'm going to take that step, and you did it. Could you imagine a body of believers doing that? Isn't that the type of church you'd want to be a part of? All of us together doing what God wants. Because there's another thing about sheep. What? They travel and want a flock and a herd. There's no like solo sheep <laughs> very often. And imagine us as a body of believers together going to the pasture, simply doing what the shepherd want and living the full life. That's what we all want. I want you guys to bow your heads. Be raw with yourself. Be so honest it hurts. What's the one thing God wants you to do? I want you to do it. Not for the sake of me. <laughs> I want you to do it because that's what God wants you to do. And God's saying, listen, I want to take you to the pasture. I want to give you freedom. I want to give you joy. But you got to move. And listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest. He's, he's going to give you one thing. And in the next couple of weeks, he's going to give you another thing. But that's all right. Because he wants to draw you closer to him. He wants to perfect you. And you may want to perfect yourself, but you can. It's only through him can he perfect you. And you may be sitting there and saying, I don't know what God wants me to do, and that's okay. I want you to just pray this prayer. Say, God, I'm a sheep. Give me big ears and a big heart to know what you want me to do. And you may need to pray that prayer every day for the next couple of weeks until God reveals it to you, but I promise you, he will. Do you believe the promises of God that he has the full abundant life? Then you got to trust him. He loves you. He wants to guide you to the pasture. He wants to give you that freedom. He wants to give you that joy. But you got to humble yourself and make yourself a sheep to be who he wants you to be. Let's close in one final prayer. God, thank you so much for the words that you spoke. And God, give us a boldness and a courage let us not be, you know, wolves and go back to doing our own thing and not believe the lies of the enemy. But God, let us be who you want us to be. Let us just be your simple sheep that simply listen to what you want. Let us be children that glorify you. And let us be part of a church, a flock moving to glorify you. And I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Pastor Joe will be up here next week.